see a lot of new faces. And also um, to see faces of my OA brothers and sisters who I already know and love who came to support me and bring light to this, uh, this meeting. Um, so I wanna share my pictures so that I can show you a little bit of what it was like. Everybody can see this here. So um, I'm sure everybody's wondering like why I would even have a picture in my underwear, but um, you know, this was like one of bazillions of attempts of dieting and like a before picture and an after picture for myself, because I was, of course, whatever this diet was, I don't even remember was, was going to be the diet that, um, that did it. Um, so, um, you can see from my pictures that I definitely was, um, morbidly obese and, um, I, uh, let me just continue to scroll down. I, I came in to Overeaters Anonymous the very first time in 2008, and I just, I did not get it at all. I was in for like a hot second and I left. I had a lot more eating, a lot more throwing up and a lot more um, weight to gain. Um, so those are my before pictures and this is me now. That's me with my son. Um, and this, here's another one with me and my husband and my son. Okay, I'm gonna stop sharing my screen. Um, so I came back into Overeaters Anonymous in 2014 and what, what it was like before that was, um, as you can see from my pictures, I mean, I, I don't have any memory in life where I was not driven and motivated <clears throat> by food always, um, how I was going to get it you know, who was I going to use to either get the food or get away from someone so that I could get the food. Like from a very, very young age, I was, I was just motivated by food. I, I believe I was born this way. And, you know, I definitely had circumstances in my house and my life that probably impacted it. I have, I come from a compulsive overeating family, um, and a family of addiction. Um, so I'm sure that that didn't help, but it's not the reason that I am this way. And, um, I was not really overweight as a child, but I got the message from my mother that I was, and I was put on my first commercial diet at the age of nine. And that was the beginning of my dieting career. Um, and I am not a person that has success in dieting. So I've heard so many people share in the rooms that they've lost and gained, you know, hundreds of pounds in their life. And that was not my story. Like I was always dieting, but I was always very overweight. Um, when, when I grew to be overweight, which is probably after high school, when I got into college. Um, so I, you know, college was really the time for me where I, um, was away from my house for the first time. I was very restricted as a child with my food. I was not allowed there. Were, we didn't have anything, you know, what I would deem to be delicious in our house. Um, and so any chance I had to be out of the house and eating, that's what I was doing. Like I wanted to have sleepovers at friends' houses, not because I wanted to see friends, but because I wanted to eat their sugar cereal in the morning. Like that's what I was motivated by. Um, and so when I went away to college, it was the first time I was out of my house, my parents' house, and it was like a free for all. And I remember that first summer I came home, you know, like there's that joke about the freshman 
10 or the freshman 15 or whatever. But like, for me, it was like probably 60 pounds that I gained my freshman year of college. And every summer I'd come home from college, my mom would take me to a commercial dieting place. I'd lose maybe 10 pounds, go back, gain the 10 plus another 10. And, you know, um, by the time I came back from college at that time, I weighed about 250 pounds and um, I decided that I wanted to have weight loss surgery and my parents were, were really not that supportive of it, but I, you know, I was very manipulative and had, they didn't really have, a, have a choice. <laughs> um, and I, I just, I went ahead and I had lap band surgery. And at the time that I had lap band surgery, I was 250 pounds. I came into Overeaters Anonymous in 2014. So all these years later, I had the lap band put in in 2007. So all these years later, I weighed, you know, 280, which was the, you know, the last weight I remember. And so that's a lot of evidence for me that those types of tools for weight loss are not something that work for someone like me. And I never really understood why. So beyond the weight, um, you know, my life was like completely unmanageable. I was living well beyond my financial means. I was in massive debt. Um, I, I had a job. I have no idea how I graduated from graduate school, but I did. Um, but I had a career that I would like go to work. I would clock in. I would like get free breakfast. And then I would go back to my apartment when I should have been seeing patients you know, and doing treatment. Um, and then I would come back and check back in and then leave. And like that, that was the way that I functioned. And I thought that there was absolutely nothing wrong with it. Um, I had a lot of inappropriate relationships, um, with, with married people. Um, I, um, I was a person that just like, I couldn't do my dishes. I couldn't shower. I couldn't open my mail. I just, you know, everything was sort of like, piling up on me. And I really believed that my only problem was food. And like, if I could just find the right diet, everything would be fine. Um, and I had an ex-boyfriend who was, um, a drug addict who got sober and he 12 stepped me. And, um, I, I was at a lunch with him where he was making an amends to me. And I probably got up during that lunch three times, maybe four times to go purge in the bathroom. And, um, I came back the last time and he said, you know, you really should go to an, a, an overeaters anonymous, anonymous meeting. And he said, you know, you suffer from a spiritual malady. And I was like, I, it was like in one ear out the other, what is he talking about? It was like, you know, a different language to me. I didn't understand, but something he said, took me to a meeting. I went to, to a meeting. So it was like sort of my first, second time in Overeaters Anonymous. And, um, I, I came in and I saw all of you, you know, happy, joyous, free. So many of you at healthy body weights, showing me pictures that look just like I looked, um, saying that like you had been at a healthy body weight for 10, 15, 20 years and you weren't dieting. And it was just like mind boggling to me. Um, and, and I got a sponsor. I did what you guys said. I got a sponsor and, um, that sponsor 
really changed my life. She took me through the steps as they're outlined in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, I learned, you know, at the very beginning of the step work, we went through the doctor's opinion, you know, line by line, page by page. And I learned about the, the physical allergy and, um, and the, the obsession of the mind. And I learned that when I eat certain foods or certain combinations of food, and when I uh, participate in certain behaviors like purging or compulsive exercise or whatever it is that I was doing, that I was producing that allergy and that phenomenon of craving. And that, that happens only if I take that first bite. And if I don't take the first bite, then I don't have, <clears throat> I don't trigger the allergy. Um, but I also learned that it was more than that. It was a spiritual problem, this malady. And the malady is this deep self-centeredness, which of course, like today, I can see if I, if I just explain to you all of the behavior that I had in my life, the way that I lived my life, which was that I was the center of the universe and everything revolved around me. And, you know, I didn't care about consequences to anything. Um, that's a really self-centered way to live. I did not care about how I affected people that I knew, people that I loved, my family, my friends. I didn't care about how I affected people that I didn't know. Um, definitely didn't care about people that I didn't know. Um, and that's how I live my life. So I learned first that, that I have to get clear and, and I have to get abstinent and I have to be entirely abstinent. It has to happen on my plate first before I can have anything else happen that these amazing steps promise me. Um, and so I kind of want to jump a little bit forward. So I spent six years in, in Overeaters Anonymous being mostly abstinent like maybe 90% abstinent. I wasn't eating flour. I wasn't eating sugar. I wasn't eating, I wasn't binging or purging. I wasn't compulsively exercising, but I was still eating foods that um, I was chasing an effect from or participating in certain food behaviors that I was chasing an effect and looking for a way to numb myself or distract from feelings. And, um, you know, my life looks very, very different today than the way I described it. So today I, um, I don't have dirty dishes in my sink. I don't have mail that goes unopened or bills that go unpaid. Um, I don't have a dirty car. Like most of the time, <laughs> sometimes I have a child, so that's now questionable. Um, I make my bed. I am married to a person. I have a child. And, um, you know, these are things that were completely like unimaginable to me. Like, and, and not just like that, you know, those are the, those things are amazing. It's, it's wonderful. It's amazing. I have a husband. It's amazing. I have a child, but it's not, um, it's not what like actually drives me and, and, and gives me the sort of freedom and, and peace that I have today. 
it's not the, the sort of superficial material things that make the recovery the recovery. Um, so after I had my son, I started, I just, I was breastfeeding and I decided I'm not going to weigh and measure my food anymore. And I'm going to, you know, engage in these behaviors. And, and I had a real awakening, you know, almost nine months ago that I was mostly abstinent, but not entirely abstinent. And the book is really clear in the beginning, in the doctor's opinion about what entire abstinence is. You know, I don't go to an AA meeting and hear people say like, well, I'm sober from tequila, but I drink wine on the weekends or whatever. And, um, and so I had to get really honest, you know, I had an awakening. I could not go back to sleep once I was awake. And, um, and I decided to restart my time and, um, re redefine or add, I should say things to my abstinence so that I could really be sober. And, um, it was, it was life-changing again. And, you know, it's like, I had a, a spiritual experience the first time, you know, seven years ago that I worked these steps, my life changed. I had a character change. You know, I can't deny that. I don't want to deny that because it's a miracle. Um, but there was more for me to go. There was, there was deeper digging for me to do, and there continues to be deeper digging for me to do, but I had to get really honest about what I was putting in my body and putting in my mouth first. Um, and so um, that's what I did. I restarted my abstinence about nine months ago, a little, little less than nine months ago. And it was really humbling. It was really humbling. I let go of a lot of sponsees. I, um, you know, I, I had, I opened my mouth. I shared as a newcomer in all my home meetings there was a lot of pride leveling that happened. Um, and I reworked the steps again and I had a totally different experience, not better or worse than the first time, but I think, you know, maybe a little bit more thorough because I was truly, truly sober and, um, it was incredibly uncomfortable. And I am still today, like incredibly uncomfortable, less uncomfortable than I was, um, you know, eight months ago. And I walked through some really scary, painful things. You know, I lost my dad in the first 30 days of, of this new abstinence and I did it entirely abstinent. And um, I, I'm in a culture where people send food when someone dies and, there was just like excessive food in my parents' house, which like just being in my parents' house could be a trigger. And I just didn't care. I had complete and total neutrality and freedom um, around food. And, um, you know, I continue to walk through things that are, are different and scary. And, you know, life on life's terms. So nowhere in the book, like when I got to the end of step 12, like it wasn't like, okay, and now here are all the butterflies and rainbows and like life is perfect and go on. And, you know, that's it. Um, there are a lot of butterflies and rainbows in my life, but there are a lot of, you know, dark cloudy days and painful things. But what I have from this book is an actual blueprint with very specific, clear cut direction and guidelines of how to deal with, with my problem. Like, and my problem, 
I thought was food. It's not. Once I remove that problem and I'm entirely absent, my problem is then myself. It's my resentments. It's my fears. It's, you know, the long list of things. And um, it can be triggered by the smallest thing. You know, my husband put the knife in the dishwasher facing the wrong way. And like, I want to cut him with the knife. I mean, like, these are things, this is, this is real and it's silly and I, we can laugh about it, but those are the things that drove me to eat. You know? Um, yes, I liked the, the taste of food. I liked the effect of food, but it was really the, the emote, my inability to deal with my emotions that, um, that drove me um, ultimately to food. And so, you know, I just, I, I want to be really clear that like my abstinence is, in, is black and white. I, I have, there's no question for me of like, what's an abstinent food and what's not an abstinent food, what's an abstinent behavior and what's not an abstinent behavior. And then I have a food plan. Um, and I, and that food plan was given to me by a professional. So I think I'm a professional. Like, I think I am a dietitian. I'm a trainer because I've spent my whole life you know, <clears throat> reading and, but I'm not. So, um, I turn that over to a professional person who tells me, you know, a food plan and that food plan can change. You know, my abstinence doesn't change. My food plan can change. And, um, I will share, I thought I'll share this at this meeting. Cause I don't know anybody here cause I'm from Los Angeles, but I know so many people, but I am pregnant with my second child. And, um, my first pregnancy, I did not feel sick at all. And this pregnancy has been really rough. My entire first trimester, I've just been very, very sick. And my food plan had to change. Like it just was what it was. I could not eat all the green vegetables that I normally love to eat. And, um, and some of the things that I ate were foods that maybe made me a little bit uncomfortable that are foods that I wouldn't normally have not foods that are not abstinent, but just foods that I don't typically eat. And, um, you know what I, I made it through, but I didn't make it through like on my own will, you know, rushing through, I made it through with the support of a dietitian, with fellows, and most importantly, like a straight line to a power. So that's really, you know, what this book has given me, this book has not given me sobriety. This book has given me um, a relationship and an ability to access a power because I am powerless and I need a power. And so that is, you know, that is the whole purpose of the book is to, is to have, to access a power and then of course carry the message, right? And, um, and that's what I've been gifted through just having the willingness to do the work, um, to do the step work. And, you know, I did a fourth step and I was like, it felt like I'd never done one before. I was like, this is awful. Like, this is the worst thing ever. I'm not, I mean, I, I, there are many people on this zoom tonight. Like I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. I have said that so many times. And then you know, the willingness comes, the willingness comes to do it. Um, and, and what happens is that I do, I, today I have a life beyond my wildest dreams, not because I'm married and have children, um, not because I have, um, 
you know, any of those superficial things, but because inside, like I'm right inside, I'm spiritually fit today. And I have to practice that on a daily basis. And some days I'm not like some days I'm not so fit and I'm not as willing and I suffer immensely, like immensely because of it. Um, and yeah, I think that, you know, what I'm, what I'm working on today is like, you know, really living in 10, 11, and 12. So that means like when a resentment comes up, when a fear comes up, um, to, to, um, to address it immediately, do a spot check and squash it when it's this big, instead of like swirling it around and cuddling it and taking it to bed and then waking up with it in the morning. And, and then it's like, you know, grows and grows and grows. Um, same thing with fears. You know, I had a, I had a rough first pregnancy and I, I have to go through a procedure. Um, and I, I'm just like really rooted in faith. Everything's going to be okay, whatever it may be. Um, you know, I've had a lot of loss. I've had, you know, beautiful, amazing things happen since I've been in recovery and really tragic, sad things that have happened since I've been in recovery. And, you know, I, I just have, a a blueprint and a, and a set of tools and guidelines for how to deal with those things, pick up the phone. You know, I just want to like, um, I'm going to get emotional. It's the hormones. I'm just going to blame the hormones. I, I just want to say like, you know, the fellowship that I have in this program is, um, is amazing. And even if I wanted to leave, I couldn't because I'm, I'm in the center of the herd. And when I think about that, like when I think about like sheep, you know, herding the sheep, I think about like the ones in the middle that like, even if they start to like veer this way, like they just get pushed back into the middle, you know? And that's really how I feel because there have been many times that I've sort of started to veer this way. Um, and I'm constantly pushed back, usually by Susan G. She's the initiator of the, nope, you're going this way. Um, and, you know, like I, she, she asked me tonight to send me the information for the Zoom meeting. And my first thought was like, oh, I don't know. Like, you're not going to tell the whole world to come to the meeting. And, and like now I'm just so deeply grateful that I have these people that are like here, you know, like what a gift to, um, to have people come, not because I'm so special, but just because like, you know, it, it's just, it's an absolute miracle. And it's something I never had in my life. You know, today I have relationships that are meaningful and, and deep and connected. And, um, you know, I, I, I just, I, I couldn't have that without recovery. I just couldn't have it. I, I'd be dead. I'd be 600 pounds. I'd be purging my brains out. You know, I used to like throw up, I, I would go from like 7-Eleven to 7-Eleven and buy a bunch of food per binge and then purge and like water bottles and bags in my car and hide it under my seats. And like, just, it was, it was such a sad, sick way to live. And it was the only way I knew how to live. And you can imagine like I was 280 pounds and I was purging so much. 
Imagine how much food I had to be consuming in order to maintain a weight of 280 pounds. So, you know, I lost over hundred pounds in this program. I finally like lost all of the baby weight and then I got pregnant right away again. Um, and so, you know, I'm going to go through this pregnancy and I, I gained a healthy amount of weight with my first pregnancy. I'm hoping that that is the case again for the second one. And I, I have faith in God and, you know, this program that the weight will come off after. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm truly feel like I owe my life to Overeaters Anonymous, like everything in it, the good, the bad, the ugly, and uh, just really, really grateful to be here. And uh, that's it. Thanks.